Welcome to The Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is our Q&A show. Every week, I post a personal development question on my Facebook page at Agent K. Miller to hear the real-world testimonials of people's journeys to change and grow. I invite you to join the discussion. Just find and friend me on Facebook at Agent K. Miller. I titled this show, Change Your Mindset, Change Your Behavior, Change Your Life. Personal growth requires mastery and it's mastery over your subconscious. If you have experienced true personal growth, you did it by claiming some victory over the predominant power of your brain. You'll understand this concept fully. If you listen to show number six, seven, nine with John Asaraf, where he schooled us in what is really going on with our brains and minds. When we try to change our habitual course from this perspective, I ask this question to you, the Ziegler audience, what is your most significant personal growth achievement? As people posted their responses, I asked a lot of them for more details and clarification. And the result was a truly in-depth look at how people have overcome themselves to achieve truly great things and growth in their life. And to knock the show out of the park, I had the brain master himself, John Asraf, join me to talk through your comments. I think this is why our Q&A shows are getting more downloads than any of our other shows. We're getting answers to your questions from the experts themselves. I encourage you to get and study John's new book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power. You can get it at Amazon. And then if you go to ignitemybrain.com and submit your Amazon receipt, you'll get eight brain training audios. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous. And I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled-in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled-in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. All right, John. Well, this question, uh, everybody's eager to talk about their personal growth that they've achieved though. Uh, I think as we'll read down through these, we miss a lot of how did they actually get there? So we're going to do live exercise workshop with you, the grandmaster and, uh, help us all figure out how to do this stuff. You ready? I am ready. All right. Beauty. So Michael here, he says that the biggest thing for him was learning to live a life of gratitude and compassion above all else and take nothing or no one for granted. These things have served me well. I asked him on Facebook. I said, did this come easily for you once you became aware of the need? And he said, well, it's easy now, but I think it was a process of evolving and maturing, even though I'm almost 57. I think we can all mature over time. When I heard that, I thought, I wonder what you, John, would say. Was that maturing or um, did he simply finally do the work to win his mind over? How does that, Who doesn't want gratitude and compassion? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we know the neurochemistry of gratitude and, you know, the, the chemical releases that make us feel good, dopamine, serotonin, et cetera, and then we share it with somebody else. You know, we can get a good little oxytocin rush, which actually reinforces us wanting to do it more. But, Mike, the, the guy who said that, you, you said the first word was what caught my attention. He said, learning okay. to. Okay. So when we're talking about learning to, if you think about learning the alphabet, learning the multiplication table, you know, learning to be polite, it's, it, bec- it starts off with an effort, right? So I'm learning how to. So let's assume that he wanted to become more grateful for whatever reason. Somebody told him, be more grateful and you'll have more reasons to be grateful for. Okay, great. So how do you start being grateful? And why not start with the moment you open your eyes and think about this for just a moment. There are people who went to bed last night, for example, didn't wake up this morning. Mm-hmm. Why not, as soon as you open your eyes, smile and just say, I'm alive again. Yahoo, I'm grateful. Yeah. You know, then when you put your feet on the floor, uh, just remember somebody can't do that today. A lot of people actually can't do that today. And so if you start off your day with one or two things that you're grateful for, and then you close out your day just before you go to bed, as you're taking a few deep breaths, just close your day. What, what are two or three things I'm grateful for today? Mm-hmm. And start off with that simple, simple, mindful you know, practice. Gratitude at the beginning, gratitude at the end. Start off with that. And what you're going to do is you're going to teach your brain that you wanted to focus on being grateful. And that will teach your brain to do that more often. Okay. Well, in the same vein here, George says his was learning kindness. Uh, It's one of the most important attributes. He's trying to practice it in all instances. He doesn't always achieve it, but it comes easier as I practice it more. Kindness, I assume, is in regards to, if we're talking about other people, being kind to them has, I would think, more baggage to it. Now we're into issues like forgiveness and talk about some hard wiring. Does it have any different ramifications to it? Yeah, something that helped me um, with kindness. I used to be a bit of an sometimes when I was younger, uh, out of my ego and my ignorance. And somebody said to me, says, do you believe that you know, the intelligence that created the entire cosmos and the universe and the oceans and the animals and you um, is, you know, omnipresent and uh, and omnipotent. I said, yeah, you know, I've I've studied a little bit to know that it's everywhere and and in everyone. And somebody just said to me, says, that means that, you know, and and they called, you know, this energy God. I said, okay, I I can go with that. You know, God created all, even though I'm not religious, I could say, okay, the word for me means something different than for most people. They said to me, so listen, if you believe that, then God must be in everyone and everything. Are you treating everyone and everything like they are God? Hmm. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) oh, no, I'm not, but I'm certainly going to try because the philosophy, right? If you really believe that God created everything Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, everything is energy and everything's connected then why not treat everyone and everything with that love and kindness and compassion and empathy and understanding? Um, and that really helped me set the frame for continuous, constant kindness. Mm-hmm. 
So in that, I mean, we're, st- uh, Shanti Feldhahn wrote the book, the kindness challenge mm-hmm. and I uh, love the book and, lo- and she came ultimately came down to, as we so often do brain training, inner size, uh, of, of doing that. And as you said before, you know, think about those things to be grateful for as a way of training your brain on the kindness. I know it's easy to say, well, just be kind, but I see people run up against that issue when it is somebody that they feel hurt from. They do have bitterness towards lack of forgiveness. I mean, are there different aspects? I mean, cause I know it's not the simple one thing, you know, do the exercise, think a good thought and just train your brain. That's why you have the book that everybody needs to go yeah. and get. Well, you know, exercising, uh, you know, one of the first parts of exercise is to move to a state of calmness and responsiveness versus stress and reaction. Okay. So let's say somebody hurt us. Let's assume somebody hurt us. They did something, said something that hurt us. And in most cases, I have discovered that most people don't do things intentionally to hurt us. Yeah. Now, unless they're retaliating. But most people don't do intentional things. They don't say things intentionally that hurt us. So if they don't do it intentionally, then why not operate from a higher level of understanding, operate from a higher level of awareness, and then be kind to them. Show them kindness. Show them forgiveness. Show them compassion. And that means you're elevating the vibration that you're in And here's what we do know about energy. Energy will always rise to the highest level of vibration that it can. Mm. And so somebody in a lower vibration will rise to a higher vibration. If you take somebody who's miserable, unhappy, uh, pathetic, and you put them in an environment of happy, uh, congruent, confident people, they will rise to that occasion or they will leave. Mm. They will rise or leave. And then they'll find, you know, water always settles at its own level or lowest level, right? And so people will either rise or leave. But I think kindness is a choice. And if you choose to be kind, you're always going to win because you've you've determined I want to play at the higher level of the game. Yeah. Okay, here's a big one. As we go towards the, as we went over in the first show, here's the conscious mind makes its decision. And now the subconscious goes to work to bring it back to that set point. So Jeff asks, understanding, uh, he said his biggest achievement was understanding that I cannot uh, be good at everything, knowing that I have weaknesses to work on. And I asked, was there a crucible that highlighted this need to you? And he says, it was mostly people telling me uh, at this point in my life, my disorganization has caused uh, several crucibles uh, and I need to get these systems in place. I would tell a younger me, discipline. I need discipline, suck it up and just have discipline. And now I'm telling older me discipline, suck it up and have more discipline. Uh, Yeah. um, So, so let me, uh, that's Jeff, right? Yep. So specifically for Jeff, um, every human being is 100% disciplined to their set of habits and natural propensities. Hmm. Every human being is already 100% disciplined. So Um, Can you be more disciplined? Uh, The answer is, yeah, you can be. And the way you do that is by using processes, systems, and people to help you. Okay. Processes, systems, and people to help you. So, um, and and that's, you know, if if he's highly unorganized, why not have somebody help him become organized, whether it's once a day, once a week, or once a month? See, the question is, You know, uh, I doubt that Jeff is lazy. Uh, He's just 
you know, doing the things that he's used to doing. And so if he's unorganized, chances are his structural brain, there's, there's four different brain types that people fit into. One is highly analytical brains who just analyze everything. The other is structural brain, people who analyze stuff but like to put things in order. One, two, three, four, five, A1, A2, A3, A4, engineers. Then you have people who are, whose propensities are conceptual, and, and they just love concepts. They're the visionaries. And then you have people whose propensities are social. They love to talk about stuff. Now, you have a combination, you know, in most people of maybe they're analytical and conceptual or structural and conceptual or analytical and structural. And most people are not good at all four. And so the question is, could you put a process in place that strengthened your weakness without you getting strong at it? I learned many, many years, strengthen your strengths, manage the weaknesses, So instead of thinking, I need to be more organized, say, no, I need a better process to get organized so I could just take action because I'm okay doing that. Mm -hmm. So change the frame. This is an inner size of changing the frame and also changing the expectation. Um, Like I'll give you an example. If I wanted to get good, for example, at uh, trigonometry, um, it would be a total waste of my time because A, I don't like it. B, I don't understand it. And three, for me, it's useless. So I really don't want to put any effort into it. But if for whatever reason I needed trigonometry or calculus, why not just hire or barter with somebody who knows how to do that well if that's what you need? And let them focus on what they are strong at. I learned many, many years ago to hire people who play at things I have to work. Yes, at. I love that. Right, yeah. um, or barter with people, or trade, you know, or part or partners. So hire, trade, barter, partner, or defer payment to them some way. Um, and so for Jeff, it's like, no, you don't want to get good at stuff. If you're unorganized, okay. Find somebody to help you get organized. As long as you can apply. Amen. And that's, that's, an, that's a frame. It's just a mindset shift in a frame. Don't expect to be good at everything because you're not going to be, yeah. and you're going to disappoint yourself. Uh, and the more you disappoint yourself, the more you're going to deactivate your motivational center in your brain out of fear of disappointment again. Yeah. Which one are you? Conceptual? Uh, I am analytical, uh, social, and conceptual. Uh, it's almost 25, 25, 25. Uh, I think one of them is 27. I'm like 23 structured. Really? Okay. Yeah. Is that normal? Um, it's not normal, but I like order and structure, mm-hmm. but it happens to be my weakest link. But if you were to look at, you know, the way I organize, I plan everything. Mm-hmm. I plan my day. I plan my week, plan my month. I have, you know, you know, a one, a two, a three, a four, my team works that way. And I'm constantly just redoing stuff to just, you know, stay highly, highly mm-hmm. focused, um, on the critical few versus the trivial many. Okay. That's a little tangent. I hope people hear that though. Cause we all try to put ourselves in one slot and one label and say, I am one of those things. And I appreciate you saying we're usually a mix of some, all, whatever. Yeah. Well, here's a tangible crucible, uh, that I'm just going to throw at you. I'm not even going to read all of what they wrote. Tamara, Becky, they both came in and said their biggest issue was their weight, obesity, staying healthy. Got to be one of the most, um, commonplace, 
goal setting and failing arenas on planet earth, at least in America, uh, on that one. I mean, you could, you could have a book obviously just on that weight loss, exercise for weight loss. I actually, I actually have a program called winning the game of weight loss. Well, there, where do you get, where do we get it? Um, hop onto NeuroGym and, um, you can take a look at our products there. Okay. Um, so when we're talking about weight, um, we live in an obesogenic environment. And what that simply means is all most foods that are not whole foods are engineered for addiction and to cause us to get fat and stay fat. So there are a number of different factors when we're talking about weight release, which I prefer to call versus weight loss. Just like everybody has a financial set point, uh, which means this is the income they're used to earning. People have a weight set point, a relationship set point, a business set point. So when we're dealing with weight specifically, uh, everybody also has a fat set point. So we get conditioned and programmed to carry a certain amount of fat. And in order to release the fat, we have to reset the fat set point, just like we would reset a thermostat in your room or your car. So that's part one. And there are inner sizes, um, specifically mental contrasting and imagery or visualization to help reset that. And you can use uh, affirmations as well. That's part one. But when we're dealing with weight, there's also a variety of different factors of why somebody may be obese. So are they using food as emotion and love control? And so a lot of times when people get stressed, their go-to comfort is food, whether it's crunchy, salty, uh, fat, which is actually a combination uh, found in a lot of foods or sweets. Um, we eat, you know, those foods that comfort us. There are addictions that a lot of people have. About a third of the people who are obese have got addictions, food addictions, um, specifically the combination of salt, fat, flour, crunchy, uh, create food addictions. So our brains become addicted to those foods. And so you have to understand if you have addictions, Uh, you have to understand that there's only one solution to addictions. There's only one. There's not five or six. And that is abstinence 100%. So addicts, which I am one of them, I used to be addicted to wine uh, and to sweets, to sugar. So when you are addicted, um, a little bit is uh, too much and a whole lot is not enough. (laughs) That's a great Um, line. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the mind, um, the neurochemistry and neurobiology of an addict's brain. Uh, Now, when we get into, um, you know, um, food addictions, we I'm sorry, into weight loss. We also have to take a look at two other things. One is circadian rhythm. uh, And that is the time basically that your your body clock um, uh, when you go to sleep, how much light is on before you go to sleep with computers, cell phones, etc., and whether you're um, uh, disrupting your circadian rhythm. When you disrupt your circadian rhythm, you also disrupt many of the hormones that are required uh, for regulation late at night and one specifically called leptin for fat loss. And if your leptin levels are too high, chances are you probably are, are also insulin resistant, which makes it really hard to lose fat and keep it off. 
if you happen to be too stressed. The stress hormones make it hard to release fat. So when we're dealing with weight, um, physiology, biology, there's a few more factors you have to take into consideration when you go on any kind of a diet. The mistake most people that go on diets make is they go on diets that are unsustainable. And so they lose water for a week or two, three, four, five, eight, 10, 12 pounds, thinking they've lost um, fat. There's a huge difference between water loss and fat loss. And, and so a lot of people, you know, will go on a diet, lose 10, 15, 20 pounds. Um, then they'll gain back 10, 15, 20 pounds. It's called the yo-yo syndrome. And I used to, um, I've lost, I tell people, 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like 20, 25 pounds at a time. Then I'd gain it back. And so when I started looking into the neuroscience of weight loss and sustaining it, it's, it's a whole different science than a, a diet. I chose a food plan that I was going to keep for life. I chose an exercise routine that I can maintain for life. I chose a sleeping pattern that I can maintain for life. I changed my lifestyle as opposed to going on a diet. And, and you, that means that you have to recalibrate your internal um, subconscious set point. You've got to um, understand which of the uh, issues are, are, are uh, keeping you fat. And you've got to focus on fat loss, not weight loss. Goodness. Thank you. There's, yeah. So that's a, uh, as I said, it's a book, but neuro gym folks, if you didn't, if you didn't get that neuro gym is his site where you can go get my that piece, my, my, neuro, my neuro gym. Dot com and get that info on that. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, 
dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so it, your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Kevin. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Okay, I'm going to jump to another one here. And uh, Nicole, she says uh, for her, it was having a positive mindset and overcoming her shyness. She says, I used to be horribly shy and afraid to meet people, uh, but due to my business and direct sales, I've had to overcome that. I love the woman I am today so much more because I have more self-esteem and self-confidence. And now I love meeting new people. And I asked her, what was the root of her? What did she think the root of her shyness was? And she actually said, I've never given it a whole lot of thought. It could have just been insecurity, not feeling good enough, feeling like I had nothing important to say or contribute in social situations, fear of rejection for simply being me. So it was easier to be quiet instead of putting myself out there. I see you smiling. Go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, when I hear, you know, people, um, you know, get to the root cause, um, a child is taught to fear and or to move away from the you know emotion of embarrassment or shame uh, or guilt, uh, and a lot of times you know when we are rejected as children, either by our brother, our sister, both our mother and father, tells be quiet, you know we're, we're doing something, you know you're doing you're supposed to be seen, not heard, um, or you stand up in class and, and you know you say something that's the wrong answer, and your classmates make fun of you. We wire that negative emotional experience, you know, 10,000 times faster than we do the positive experience when somebody enjoys our company and somebody listens and values to what we say. And so many of the, of the uh, fears that we have, the insecurities that we have, uh, uh, stem from childhood experiences that we were too young to understand how to process and that neural network was just wired. And then we live with these disempowering emotions and thoughts and experiences uh, way into adulthood. And the key, and this is, again, why you know, I wrote the book, is to understand that there's nothing wrong with the emotion. There's nothing wrong with the feeling. Um, those are just signals. Now, through inner size, you can go back, right, and reframe any experience that ever happened to you. Uh, you can use techniques that, you know, are well taught in neuro-linguistic programming using visualization techniques, emotional anchoring techniques, uh, timeline therapy techniques to go back to a memory. You can actually change the memory. The truth is every time you think of a memory, you change the memory because it's never the same. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who um, hated red pants. And um, when she asked her sister, you know, uh, wh whatever, what can she remember uh, about red pants in her childhood? And her sister says, don't you remember we went skiing and you were, it was your first day of skiing and you were wearing red pants and your legs split apart and the, 
um, and the pants ripped in half while you were on the ski hill and all of our friends made fun of you. Then you smashed into the fence. Wow. Right. She was nine years old when this happened. This woman is 50 years old now. And she said, this is 41 years ago. And I still ha- hate red pants and red blouses. And I just found out why this weekend. Wow. Right. One experience. Yeah. And so when we are young and our brain is formulating these patterns and the meanings that we give, you know, events and circumstances and people in our lives, the good ones, the challenging ones, the embarrassing ones. The ones that, you know, gave us the, the highest degree of emotional pain or uncertainty or discomfort are the ones that drive most of our perspectives and our behaviors today. And so with inner size, we're actually retraining our brain. We're retraining our neuromuscles, right? Confidence is a neuromuscle. Your beliefs are neuromuscles. Having certainty is a neuromuscle. Our associations are neuromuscles in a sense. And so when we go in and actively um, reconfigure like a software engineer would reconfigure software that might be corrupt or might have a virus to it, imagine some of your beliefs are corrupt. They're just not the right beliefs you need anymore. They're like viruses that spread into parts of your life. Well, they're your beliefs. They're your perspectives. It's your paradigm. uh, Inner size and change it. You're the software coder. You're the, you own the computer. You own the biocomputer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is where being responsible comes into play. You're not a victim anymore. Maybe you were in the past because you were young, but now you're not a victim anymore. So if you want to be a victim of your past, that's by choice, not because you can't change the meaning of stuff and learn how to turn anything into something that empowers you. Okay. You just said the word to set up my next question, victim. Uh, and now this comes from uh, a, a lady that I know of a little bit. I think she's actually a successful model or something she does or acting or something like that. But she says uh, her biggest issue or biggest achievement was taking responsibility for everything I do and everything that happens in my life. It completely changed the course of my life. I now have power in the world to help myself and help others. And I asked her, tell me more. Were you in the place of blaming others and things, a victim mindset? And she said that, uh, that is the not so pretty truth. I was the queen of excuses. Nothing was ever my fault. Traffic made me late. A bad teacher led me to failing the class. I was not successful in certain areas because I did not have the talent that others had. Uh, I thought I was reformed until a few weeks ago when a client told me he did not want another disaster like the last event. And I asked him, that wasn't because of me, right? And he replied, it doesn't matter. The whole event is just failed. And his words helped reset my mind again. I appreciate the checkout from the neck up, as Zig would say. So looking at blame as another one, talk about weight. I think the next big one uh, that I experience with folks trying to work through is blaming and a victim mindset. I mean, Zig talks about that so often, but talk about an ingrained. So go back to what you just said, the emotional, uh, negative, emotional trigger point. But I mean, you know that, I mean, you could do again, I'll ask you, do you have a spot on that? Just uh, another, just like an inner size for weight on that victim mindset, blaming, giving responsibility to others. Yeah. Well, you know, whenever we're blaming, right, we're putting the, um, the cause on somebody else. And most people don't like to ask this question of what part did I play in that? Which part in um, allowing 
whatever they did or said or didn't do or didn't say, which part did I play in that caused the result that I don't like, that I want to now, you know, deflect back to only another person. Now, in a lot of cases, there's, you know, more than one thing that's at cause, right? And so what we want to do in order to have a healthy relationship with ourselves is own up to the things that we were involved in and did or didn't do, and then ask ourselves, what can I do next time, either with this person or in this situation, to have more control, to have you know, more personal power? And what you'll realize is if you take some of the responsibility, number one, you're not going to be a victim anymore. Um, and you can turn that into becoming victorious because you'll learn some lessons and be a lot more congruent and certain and confident the next time a situation or a person, you know, tries to do the same thing. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to actually deviate. We got, we got, we could read these forever. Um, and we're hitting high points, but I'm just personally curious. I mean, as you're going around, I know you leave this interview, you're going to a speaking engagement and you're constantly, uh, communicating with people, people are reading the book. What are some of the highlight areas that you find people coming to you with or finding the testimonials now from the book of saying this helped me here? Because there's got to be some top highlight, uh, you know, topics, needs. What are they? Um, Yeah. So I think number one is awareness and calmness Hmm. to be able to respond as opposed to react. So, you know, inner size one is around, you know, taking six deep breaths in through your nose and breathing it out slower out through your mouth. Inner size two is all around awareness called, you know, I awareness of thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, behaviors, uh, results, awareness of my intentions and awareness of the actions I want to take. So being deliberate. Um, And so I think, you know, uh, and then people love the I see me inner size where instead of focusing on what they don't like, don't want, don't understand, um, there's a visualization inner size that I take them through in the book and also in the videos that I give people in the audios uh, as part of buying the book, where they actually see themselves overcoming and or achieving the goals that they want. And just in doing that, people are like, wow, I'm so much more motivated. I'm, I'm not procrastinating anymore. I'm taking more action. I'm achieving more in a week than I have in, in months. And so people are becoming much more productive and, and taking action as opposed to hoping, praying, and, and dreaming that things will happen for them. Okay. Well, there's a great anchor right there. That's the payoff. That's why everybody needs to go get the book. It's a book to not just read, but to study. It's why we have you on here for the third slot here in this series. I mean, John, thanks for taking the time, coming back here and giving us a little live class. You're so welcome, Kevin. Thanks for taking so much interest in inner size and thanks for introducing me to your audience and Ziggs. I appreciate you very much, my friend. I am honored. I need it as much as anyone. Thanks, John. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Incredible insight into getting ourselves to make the changes we really want to see happen for us. Again, I really encourage you to get and study John's new book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power. You can get it at Amazon. Then if you go to ignitemybrain.com and submit your Amazon receipt, you'll get eight brain training audios. Coming up next in episode 685, we have our habits show and the topic is consistency beats out intensity 
for your fitness. What are the healthy lifestyle habits of an internationally recognized expert in fitness and nutrition? Interestingly, they do not include marathon workout sessions. Uh, he actually tells us about micro workouts and how consistency is better than intensity. Our muse today is Angelo Polly, our guest from show 683. Angelo is the founder of MetPro, the world's first algorithm-based transformation engine using a process called metabolic profiling. They analyze your metabolism and provide an individual approach to obtaining your health goals. If you hear that show, you'll hear that I'm a current client with them. Uh, but in this show, we get a behind the scenes look at Angelo's daily habits for success. He shares that his family resembles the old TV show. Everybody loves Raymond. Uh, lots of laughter is always on the menu. His favorite mental exercise is get this gardening with jazz. We had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, but literally, of course, he works out every day. And just as his MetPro coaching platform prescribes, his key to nutritional health is being intentional and prepping his food. So you'll have fun with this show. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. Mm -hmm. 